2: They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
0: We're back. I've stayed porn-free this week, which means I can rejoin Finchy and Boise for episode 10 of the Wombles Had A Dream podcast. Do you miss me, lads?
1: no (laughs) feedback's been very good for the last episode so
0: i know i know sydney's
3: gonna gonna replace you mate
0: yeah she's coming for me (laughs) coming for me there's lots to chat about tonight uh with us to talk about an eventful past week is don's fan spike godding how are you mate
4: all right mate yeah all good thank you how's it going yeah not too
0: bad not too bad you excited (laughs) to be on
4: buzzing thanks for having me on uh,
0: to let us know a little bit more about yourself, um, how long have you supported Wimbledon? What was your first game? Favorite moment? Something like that. Just
4: yeah. Okay. Um, so I've been there. Well, I've been a season ticket holder for about ten years now. I honestly can't remember what my first game was, but sometime before that. And favorite moment, I would probably say either uh, Fleetwood, where we with the midterm penalty, that was that was like the most tense game I've ever been at, or mm-hmm. Wembley, one of those two for me.
1: Which, which Wembley?
4: Wembley, sorry, the proper Wembley. Where we <laughs> yeah. Spurs, was I was at Spurs, not quite as memorable a game though.
1: I just say that because my son, he's been to Wembley more times in the last couple of years than I could have ever dreamed of. I got to about 40 before I got to go Wembley, so... <laughs> And he went twice in a couple of years. So that's the only yeah. reason I say that. Yeah,
4: the uh, the Plymouth game.
0: So. Good game. Very good game. Hell of a game. So we start with a brief review of the two games from the past week. Um, emphasis on brief. Uh, two 2-0 two defeats to Donny and Franchise come in after what was a really positive point against Crewe, Finchie?
1: Yeah, uh, I didn't expect much from Donny, to be fair. I know I uh, predicted a draw, uh, but it was a tough game. And, and, and I don't think the formation suited us uh, and and the team that was selected. Uh, I thought we'd go a little bit more defensive uh, and we got caught out. And then against Scum, yeah, that was embarrassing. Uh, as I called it on Twitter, there was no guts. Nothing, no fight, no battle, especially second half. First half we played well without really doing much, but second half was just embarrassing. Uh, I did learn something, though, that, which I already knew anyway, that the uh, franchise fans are a special breed. Uh, they've been all over our Twitter <laughs> socials. Uh, if, if they're listening again, thanks for, thanks for listening, boys. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I would never listen to a franchise podcast in a million years. I don't give a shit, but yeah. Uh, so that was quite fun. They're, they're a very special bunch, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it was just gutless, weren't it, really, on the second half? So,
0: You mentioned on Twitter, I think it was on Twitter, that um, that we played well first half, uh, fought hard, worked hard, uh, but that it was the bare minimum that we should be, that, that is expected of them. You know, we, we shouldn't be plaud- giving them plaudits.
1: That first half is what we should be doing every game, right? I think. Well, better than that, to be fair, because we didn't really trouble their goalkeeper. We had one shot, I think it was that he he, he tipped round the post within the first few minutes. Uh, I can't remember then really troubling them. Uh but yeah, we should be expecting that every game, a bit of fight. Uh and that's what I mean second half was hard to take because there was literally nothing. It was embarrassing. We we didn't have a shot and that's not we didn't have a we didn't have a block shot, we didn't have a, a shot that went wide. Uh, missed shot, we didn't have a shot at home and that's embarrassing against any team, let alone the scumbags so yeah I, I, it's, it's I, don't, I didn't really want to talk about that game too much because it's embarrassing uh, and we've moved on now. glenn has gone so yeah, it is what it is
0: Obviously the the defeat on Saturday led to the departure of um, Glenn and Nick uh, I would like to wish them both well in the future but I think Saturday was the final straw really Um Boise, I know you were keen to keep Glynn in charge when we discussed this topic a few weeks ago. Do you think the right decision was made Saturday?
3: I personally, if I, if I was making a decision, I think I would have given him the, potentially the Wigan and the Rochdale game. You know, when Joe made that message on YouTube and you know, said it's still part of the, you know, the long-term plan and we're not going to make a basically a knee-jerk reaction, I thought maybe it might be given to then and given a points target. Um, so, I was quite surprised to see him go, and you know it 's disappointing for to see Glynn and Nick go you know after the manner of that defeat against them lot. Um you know I do feel so for glenn this season we've we 've had a poor record at New Plow Lane or Plow Lane as some like to call it this this season, but you know they 've been operating in an empty stadium. You think that we 've waited thirty years to return home, and that stadium would have been rocking from the from the first game you know every game and built a momentum. And so far our record at Lane has been poor. We, I think we've only won one, drawn one and lost five off the top of my head. So I do feel a bit sorry for them for, you know, this pandemic and this COVID, you know, injuries, whatnot, but, you know, at the end of the day, as a results business and two points in my possible, 33 isn't good enough. So, and I think also the manner of that second half, like Lee said, not having a shot in the second half in the first half, we tried well, Um, you know, we got in some good positions. I don't know why Shane didn't shoot in the first half, but second half, as soon as that, that goal went in, we conceded shortly after it, and then we just huffed and puffed, and, you know, kind of the candle got lit. Blown out at it full-time, isn't it?
4: Yeah, I, I kind of... I don't know whether you mentioned about him potentially sticking around for the next two games, which is, to be honest, what I thought. I thought MK was... If we lose, then we'll see what happens in the next one. I don't know whether maybe he sort of, um, he kind of fell on his sword a little bit. I feel like he's quite a proud man and maybe he just knew, look, this is not working. I'd rather just get out now.
1: Yeah, I, I was just about to say, it was by mutual uh, consent, I think, that it was uh, the decision was given on the uh, official site, the, the reason why he left. Do so, we think that he went in then and said, look, I'm done? Do you think he kind of quit? And we said, look, we'll save a little bit of grace. Instead of saying that he's handed in his resignation after that game, that we said, look, it's by mutual consent. Because if some people are saying he's been sacked and stuff, which on the official site I'm not sure it's mutual consent that he was given. Uh, do you think he's just he's done? It's three points in 33 games, and it was just done. Especially again being that embarrassing against them. Uh, I, I just think he, he just said that's it. I've, I've I'm done. I can't I can't take this team any further.
0: I think mutual consent can mean that he walked in and said, Yeah, I've had enough or or by the same token the board could have turned around and said, Yeah, it's time to go, mate. Um so it you know, it could have been a sacking, it could have been a resignation, it could have been a mixture of both, you know? Um I think it was the right time to go. Um I think I, I was bored, to be honest. It was just the whole situation was boring. Um every week moaning about the same things, wondering where the next points are going to come from, you know?
2: I
1: get your point with going that, but it's been like that for now for the last couple of seasons, since oddly that season when Ardley had to go. It's been like Wally came in and we had the great escape, which kind of, I think, papered over the cracks. Uh, it's been quite boring for a couple of years now. and I don't know how we get around that. How do we stop it from being so boring? Especially as Boise said, we can't get into the game at the moment to to cheer on the boys. like Saturday, it would have been an immense atmosphere. Plough Lane Us against them it, it, it would have been Even if you You don't care about them Them knobheads We, we would have gone in They would have been loud I just I, I think when Glyn come in This The start of the season Was brilliant Some of the football We were playing I think I don't know what happened That he got scared or something Because we were attacking teams Longman was on fire I, I just think with Glyn His man, management of players Has been poor So Like at the moment Longman I believe He's playing too many minutes He looks tired Uh and I don't believe he should be playing striker every game, maybe put him on the wing and then put another striker in. But injuries hampered Glynn as well, I believe. We've had a lot of injuries that hasn't helped him if he had a fully fit palmer. But then you can flip it again that he signed an unfit palmer. We signed an unfit Ben Hennigan. And it's a shame because he is a Wimbledon legend and he will go down for being a Wimbledon legend. But he did, at the start of the season, it looked so promising. We played some very, very good attacking football. And we just lost it. I don't know why.
4: Yeah, I'd, I'd love to know the situation with Palmer, and I guess to a lesser extent, Ben Hennigan. But what we, we got him in, and there was this huge, you know... I remember being so excited when I saw the rumours that we might be getting him. Not admittedly not knowing that much about him, but he seemed to be very highly regarded. And just instantly, he's injured. And it turns out that he's been injured this whole time. When he's signed as our our big... Landmark signing, and it's just immediately from there. I thought, oh, what's going to? Is this going to be another one? And it's I mean I hope not. I hope it's not. But I'm, I'm starting to get the feeling it might be another one of the many crocked strikers that we seem to sign.
3: Yeah, going back to your point, Lee, you're right about at the start of the season we did play on the front foot, and um, you know we got off to our best ever points tally in the start of League One in last five years, and I think fans are very easy to forget that because of the recent run. I mean, what else doesn't help? You know, I've spoke about COVID, lockdown, but usually we'd all go down the pub and have a moan, whilst if I've noticed social media has become so toxic over the last few weeks. So I think that's another good thing about Glynn going, is I think it was turning quite toxic, if I'm honest with you. You know, after after Saturday's defeat, I kind of avoided going on Facebook, Twitter, and all that for a few hours, just because I knew You know, I just didn't want to read the comments after that. I was kind of fed up.
0: A lot of fans, obviously, have been calling for Glyn's head for quite a while. Um, Do do you want to chat about, you know, where, when um, it all went wrong for him? Because like you said, we had a good start to the season. Um, I think ever since the Peterborough game, uh, where we won 2-1, it left us in 11th place. Uh, And obviously, pretty much since then, we're winless in thirteen. Um and, and that that Peterborough game was off the back of a couple of poor results. It looked like we'd turned a corner, gone through a little bit of a blip and could really kick on from there.
3: Yeah, it's interesting because after that Peterborough game, you know, I saw people even talking up, you know, potential playoffs and whatnot. I just think, you know, the the seasons kind of just unfolded, you know, we got injuries at the wrong time in key positions, you know, we lost Ben Hennigan and Tell Thomas are our better centre halves, you know, over Paul buy and Will Nightingale, you know, the, the Wigan game got called off twice due to COVID. That might have been another win for us had we had played that at that stage of season. Confidence dropped. I think it's this accumulation of of things, if I'm honest with you, Jane.
0: Yeah, because that's what I'm struggling to, to see is what exactly did go wrong. Because before the Peterborough game, we were scoring goals. Now we're struggling to score. You know, before the Peterborough game, we were losing by the odd goal here and there. Now we're shipping goals left, right and centre,
3: you know. I think that's a good point you made about we were scoring goals. You know, it seems like at the start of the season, pickup was on fire. And, you know, we saw him recently come out in the press, you know, in Sky Sports talking about, you know, he's, he's had his, you know, scoring all these goals. Rah, rah, rah. But it makes me think, was he, was he playing bang on form? Because he knew that January transfer window was come. And now it's come and it, it doesn't seem the same player. I don't know if he's like lost interest or he's now just like, oh, I'm not going to get my move. You know, because there was talk on Twitter of, you know, not in a forest. Bristol City and whatnot. And I, I do wonder if that's also played a factor, you know, is he playing a bit with, within himself, not wanting to get injured, you know, as is is, is he dropped his, as he lost his head a little bit. Because the, the Deji effect, so to speak. The Deji effect. I like it. It's a good term.
1: I agree with what you're saying which with regards to Pigger, he, does, he, like, Saturday's the worst I've ever seen him play. He was awful. Uh, and, and he can be like that. He has been like that previously, though, and that's why I think he hasn't made it at a higher level. Because he does drop, his form can drop. He he, he got he, he at the start of the season he did score a lot of goals. I was just looking at our results and what you were saying with regard to the Peterborough game. I think that's spot on. That came at the end of that big run that we had, where we had to play loads of games, and that could have been a factor. But then again, that's where Glynn's player management is called into question because he didn't really mix up the team. You didn't throw in any youth against Barrow or anything like that to say, right, uh, uh, my league's got to be our um, our main target this year, staying up. And, and, and I think in them games like we, we beat we uh, we beat Rochdale away from home one nil, uh, we drew with Scum. we beat uh, we drew with Burton, went up to Hull and only lost one nil. Uh, do you know what I mean? We were playing well against Oxford, we played really well, uh, but still lost that game. And I think we were just starting to get beat. Easier, that's when we then played Sunderland and Portsmouth and lost 3-0, 4-0. And that's when it was embarrassing because we weren't showing up in them games anymore. And as I said, I think it was his man management, not as in getting them to play, but just not resting them. Like Heitigan played a hundred games in five days, and then he, he can't get back in the team. He gets COVID, can't get back in the team. Uh Longman just plays every week and he looks knackered. Uh, maybe bring him out, but it's, again, it's injuries. We ain't got Palmer to throw in. I don't think he, he trusted Robinson as much as, say, I I trust Zach Robinson. Do you know what I mean? But he's, what's the point of having him on the bench if you're not going to throw him on the pitch? And, it, and then when he does throw him on the pitch, he was throwing him on with 82 minutes played or, or six to eight minutes gone and we're 2-0 down. It, you can't throw an 18-year-old kid on in that circumstance.
4: I think that's one of my main complaints about Glyn's whole reign as manager to be honest. It's just talking about managing the squad there's one one part of it is mixing it up but also just if you're giving them take making subs after eight four minutes players are getting six minutes rest than they would have had whereas if you take someone off after 60 minutes then that's like a third of a game they could have saved and you get that over the course of 10 games it can make so much so much of a difference and also like you said about zach robinson and i suppose before adam roscroe would do we know if he was any good like I, I don't think he was, but we never really got a chance because he had six minutes here and nine minutes there and you, you can't possibly start to look at form if you're playing such a short amount of time.
1: Yeah, I agree with what you're saying there, Spike. Like, again, Adam Roscoe, he came, where's the game at Gillingham when he came on and he, he, he nearly scored and then uh, Riley puts in the rebound and we, we, we win that game. But on, on Saturday, they make subs uh, 55 minutes at nil-nil and then eight minutes later, 10 minutes later, they're two nil up. So they made attacking subs and said, look, let's not worry about Wimbledon. We're going to worry about us and we're going to win this game. Where well, we're sitting there thinking, oh, we, we, we're not going to lose this game. And then boom, we're 2-0 down. And his subs were just, again, it's just, I think that was his downfall, just the, the management of the players where he has his first team and that's it. And I think that was the downfall for Glenn in the end.
3: I think you made a good point there, Lee. About you know, um franchises subs coming under fifty-five, fifty-five minute. You know, they they came to our grounds That you know, they focus on the game, want to win it. And I sometimes feel you know we've got a poor record against them a lot. And sometimes I think do we, do we just turn it into a bit of a circus ourselves? You know, rather than focus on the game, are we? oh you know, it's franchise, it's this, it's that. You know, I don't know. But another thing which which I wanted to allude to was you said about picking up some good results. You know, we get, we, we drew a franchise, we beat. Peter Barr and whatnot, but one thing I thought was interesting from the article is, you know, Joe Palmer said we overachieved, in the, you know, in that, that part of the season. And now I wonder, well, what is the target this season? I mean, social media has gone into a full, full-blown meltdown prior to Glenn leaving, but we are only one point off relegation at the moment. We're one or two wins, and all of a sudden things are looking a bit more rosy. So, you know, it'd be good to know what the target is.
1: I was going to say to you, my, my target is always stay up in League hmm. One. Uh, and unfortunately, when we started playing really well and we started doing really well, expectations do go up. But I just, I, I see what you mean about the start of the season, but I just struggled with recently is just the lack of form, the lack of desire from our players. Uh, and what what you want, what do you think we should, should have been aiming for at the start of the season is, is, is to stay up all the time. And I think that's, I think that's what we have to do every year, but when we're playing well we we have to we our expectations will go up it, it's, it's just start of the season we were winning we were drawing four all against plymouth uh we were beating fleetwood uh we lost to Accrington, we beat swindon and then that's when the run starts going down so i don't think how start of the season was that great we were beating teams around us we were drawing against northampton who are uh, a pony side uh we drew in the carabao cup with oxford lost on penalties drew with plymouth four all beat fleetwood lost to Accrington, beat Swindon, and then we lose, Shrewsbury. Then we draw with Burton, we draw. And, and I don't
3: think the start of the season was that great. I think part of the reason why the start of the season looked better from what it is, though, is because of the amount of points dropped. You know, we, I think we've dropped 21, 22 points. So it's kind of the what-if factor, isn't it? You know, what if we had them points? For example, Plymouth, 4-2 up, weren't we, Letting two goals in two minutes? You know, if we, had to, if we had the mix of two points on the board right now, we're not in the relegation zone. And you can go through quite a lot of games like that, I yeah, I get what you're saying, but then that shows me
1: that the team is good enough. The team is good enough. It's just the management that wasn't good enough. And it shows me that we we were winning games 4-2 and lapses of concentration. Okay, that is mistakes from the back, but you change it around and he never changed it around. So when we were winning 4-2, you, you change it around, you you bring off your tired players, so you don't get teams back in the game. Shows me that we're dropping points from winning positions. Shows me that we are good enough to be in this league and be mid-table in this league. But yeah. I think I, the,
0: the Plymouth game, um, I think it was a Plymouth game. He he changed it up at 4-2 and we then conceded uh, two goals in two minutes or something. So, saying that he didn't change it up, he did change. He brought Hartigan on for something and changed the system and we conceded two goals in two minutes. Everyone was blaming Hartigan, it wasn't his fault. But um uh,
1: yeah. Are you feeling okay? Yeah. I know he's left, but... Yeah, yeah but well, I bringing... kind of feel sorry for him now. It's I've got COVID. it. I've... He, he brings off FIFA and Chislett and brings on anthony Hartigan. So you're doing a defensive change for an attacking change. So if you're 4-2 up, right, you go for it. You, go, you, go, you don't go, oh, let's sit back and go ultra defensive. I, 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 I know you're looking at me very strange here. You're 4-2 <laughs> up. Why would you invite pressure? And that's what we do every time we go, we go into a league. We invite pressure back on
0: ourselves. I'm sorry, you're, you're winning 4-2. And then you say, you say you go more attacking. You go get more goals. I'm so glad you're not Wimbledon boss, mate.
3: Well, well, hopefully <laughs> well, he, he not game. I, we drew for all. Hopefully <laughs> Lee hasn't put his name
1: into the hat. Yeah. <laughs> I sent my CV off to Joe Palmer. I don't know who else was on the bench that game, but why would you not then? If you're going to go defensive, why would you bring on Artican?
4: Yeah, I think I think the issue with that. Well, there's a couple of issues with that particular change, but also if you go defensive, you need to be able to rely on your defence. And when's the last time we could rely on our defence to keep a clean sheet and not allow goals? I can't even remember. So I I get it. It's like, let's maybe not sit back, but let's not go all out. Let's just get a good balance.
1: So I've got the team sheet in front of me, right? So he brings on Andy Harkin in the 74th minute, and then he brings on Adam Roscoe in the 84th minute, right? We had Will Nightingale on the bench. We had Sokka on the bench. We had Oksana on the bench and Shay Alexander. So you could have brought on Oksana... Instead of Harkin, or you could have bought on Shere to you know, with his crosses and stuff. To course, and this is what I don't get. People say, "Oh, you don't want to go ultra," but you don't want. You want the team to worry about you still. You don't want to just sit back and then just invite loads of pressure. You know, I'm
3: laughing at is people probably listening to this podcast want to listen about Lin, who our future manager is. Here we are talking about fool. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but this is one of the games. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking, I'm
1: joking. We've lost, we've lost in Hodges now because. Of the subs, do you know what I mean? And the, the stuff that he was doing. they We made a stuff of Andy Owen come on the 74th minute and we conceded in the 76th and the 78th, right? For all, he then brings on Adam Roscoe with six minutes to go to try and get back in that game. That is ludicrous to me. And this is why Glenn Hodges is not in his job anymore.
4: If we'd held on to that result, we would be one point, no, two points out of relegation zone, right? And yeah. would he be gone now? I don't I think, think
3: I think he would still be gone because ultimately he's still going to pick up two points out of possible 33, isn't it? And it's still a result based business. Yeah, but then,
1: if we have won, if we had drawn or won the games when we were leading, and I mean like lead like that, when we should have won that game easy, he, we'd be mid table and he wouldn't, be, he wouldn't have any, any chance of being sacked. Yeah,
3: but then, so off the, doors, he's got to answer some questions as well. On the flip side, though, if we didn't have our best ever start to League One, we wouldn't be one point off relegation. I mean, Waddy left, you know, um, sorry, Ardley left us, you know. Twelve points a foot at the bottom of the table, so and
0: buried essentially.
3: Yeah, so I don't think it's all doom and gloom.
0: I think you hit the nail on the head when you spoke about dropping twenty-three points or however many it was from winning positions. Um, if we hadn't have done that, we wouldn't be in the position we were, and Glenn and Nick would still be in work. But I think we should end on a slightly more positive note, if, if there is one. Which we, is what, we. The, the positives that came out of Glenn and Nick's reign uh, in charge of the Dons? Yeah.
1: Uh, I'm struggling with overly positives because obviously when a manager gets sacked, it's not because he's been, he's done well. Uh, I, I just, again, I thought we played all right football. Uh, I, I'm, I'm struggling with positives here, unfortunately. I really am of Glyn's reign. Uh, he started off all right. I, I, felt, I feel sorry for him because he never got a packed house at Wimbledon at Plough Lane, uh, which I think he deserved. Because he was part of the great escape as well. Let's remember that. That's one positive. He was that's part of true. Wally Downs' team when we stayed up here. So it weren't just Wally. Everyone talks about Wally, Wally, Wally. As much as I like Wally, Glynn was his assistant manager at the time. Maybe Glynn is a better coach than he is a manager. And it happens quite a lot. So,
3: Yeah, I think that's a good point, though. I mean, he's coached Stoke, hasn't he? He's, even coached players like Shaqiri on artovic Joe and I think he's been involved with the Wales well, well squad under Mark Hughes as well. So I think, you know, obviously he is a good coach. Um, you know, I think there are some positive states from Denny. He has signed some good non league talent who hopefully we can nurture in the future and we'll, we'll, you know, reap the rewards of that. He did bring through some, you know, or carry on trying to bring through academy players, Jack Rodoni's. Kicked on this season, and I think another positive is you know we asked him in the did, at the end of the day he did keep us up last season, albeit points per game. Whatever you know, people can speculate if we would have went down, would have set up. At the end of the day, we set up, and we are only one point off off relegation. It's not doom and gloom. Um, I do feel sorry for him, that like he said, for he didn't get a packed packed plough lane. You know because we've waited 30 years to return home, and I think that would have been rocking, and that would have given him the twelfth man. But you know, uh, you know, I thank him for his work and. Yeah, I, I do think there are some positives to take from from his time here. Yeah, I think, I, I one, one last thing I just wanted to say: I do think he was unlucky, you know, with the pandemic as well. Like, you know, he's, he's taken over Wally Downs' his, Wally Downs' his job. The season got cut early, and now he's been hit by a pandemic. You know, it's not the ideal time for any manager to come in. So, given the benefit of the doubt there as well.
4: Yeah, when I was trying to think about positives, the first one, well you look at the tactics that we stumbled across for the great escape to keep us up was basically what we carried on playing after Wally Downs left. So I I feel like Glenn actually tactically was much more involved in our success than people might think. So for that, obviously you've got to be thankful for what he did, but the fact that we just couldn't change it. And I know the squad was set up for that kind of tactic, but, to have one game plan. Sorry, I've n- I've gone negative again. I can't <laughs> help it. Um. Uh, yeah. I I think it's an important point though. To to play three five two every single game, barf when you're completely your backs against the wall because everyone's telling you you've got to change. You're on a hiding to nothing, as far as I'm concerned. It's it's too predictable. Even if your squad is set up for that, they're professional football players. They can play slightly more left if they need to. It's just why would you even bother preparing for a game against Wimbledon? You just say, "Oh, three-five-two. All right, we'll just spend ten minutes on that. Let's carry on working on set pieces or whatever."
1: I, I think your point's spot on there, Spike. We must be the easiest team to scout in the whole of the football league because, it, yeah, three-five-two, just yeah, get after us easy. It, it was so easy in the end, and that's the problem. But I wish I do wish Glenn Hodges and Nick Dawes all the best in the future. Uh, it's a shame and hopefully they'll come back down to Plough Lane when uh, it's reopened. We have good re- good relationship with most of our ex-managers. Uh, so yeah, hopefully they'll get down and watch a game at Plough Lane. Yeah. Have a few beers, maybe come on the podcast.
0: Shall we have a little more exciting and positive chat now about the future of AC Wooden and what happens next post Glenn? Yep so now we're going to talk about the new manager the future of the club um i think a good place to start is mark robinson obviously he has been placed in temporary charge um he's worked within the club for excuse me he's worked within the club for god knows how many years so i feel like board and the club know what to expect, the fans know what to expect. Um, slightly worrying he hasn't managed at senior level anywhere, um, only at youth, and obviously he hasn't done that in the past season since he's been the loan manager. I don't know what your thoughts are, Spoke.
4: Yeah, I don't know. I, well, firstly, I think he deserves a shot. Now, as interim manager, that's the right place for him to start. Obviously, he's been around the team for the last season or so, but I can't see him getting the job full-time, personally. I think he's inexperienced enough that it'd be too much for him. Keep him, keep him in the the uh, management team with whoever comes in next, and then see where he goes.
1: Yeah, I think obviously Bassi's not about, so he would have been brought in as interim manager straight away. That's where I thought might have, might give him a call again, see if he can get out of his cab and come and do that job, a half half do that job again. Uh, I love Mark Robinson. I've spoke to him many times in the bar. He comes across really well when you speak to him. He loves the club to absolute bits. Uh, and as the uh, comms always says, he, they get it and he, he does get it to be fair. He's just done an interview saying he's managing the greatest story in English football. My only worry with Mark Robinson is his experience and his, his contact list. So if he was to get the job full-time, who would he have that contact list of some of the others that are on that, on the list or, or who we would prefer? Uh, and I just, I just love him and I don't want it to go south for him. And then he has to, then we have to leave. Uh, and another point uh, I made the other day to a couple of mates of mine is that he has been our first team coach and he hasn't been able to get a tune out of him this year. It is Glyn, Nick and Mark Robinson. So I know he will have his own ideas now to to Glyn because Glenn would have made the final decisions, but he has been there all season and last season as well. Uh, but yeah, I just don't want it to go south for him and we have to have to get rid of him because I think he's brilliant for the club, the youth, the loan managers style that he's been taking on and getting them players out on loan. I know it's this year has been tough because of COVID, but yeah, I, I just don't think he's got the experience to do it full time.
3: I really like Mark Robinson. I, in fact, I think all Wimbledon fans like Mark Robinson. He comes across well. You know, he's done a marvellous job with the academy. And I think right now he's he's a safe bet to go with. He's been around the team. You know, he knows Wimbledon. He knows the story. He knows the backroom staff. And right now, obviously, there's not, um, you know, the the transfer window shut. So whoever comes in has to work with his squad. So it makes sense for me. Give it to Mark Robinson into him. I would personally give him to the end of the season, let him audition for the job. I mean, I really rate Mark Robinson myself. I'm looking forward to seeing if he changes formation on Tuesday night and what he brings. I mean... We say for, you know, he's been part of the, the Glynn and, you know, Wally Downs background stuff. But, you know, when Wally left and Glynn came in, he had his own ideas and results picked up. So, again, hopefully with Mark Gumsden, now he comes in, hopefully the same happens. But with regards to his contacts, I think whoever comes in, that is something we need to develop. We, I still don't know what, what our scouting system is. This database, which Nick does, I mean, what, what state has that been left in? Who's going to pick up the reins? I mean, there's so many questions, isn't there? Do we need a director of football? But, you know, I, I like Mark, and I also think, you know, we talk about the academy players, you know, homegrown and hungry, you know, bringing them through. Well, why don't we also give the academy manager a chance to, to come through the club and to go progress onto the first team manager's role, you know, show that there's a path there because we could then attract, you know, really good up-and-coming managers to take the academy manager role and then progress through the cup because you don't get out any, anywhere
1: else as far as I'm aware. Yeah, I, I like them points, boys. Yeah, I was going to say, regarding the games coming up, he's kind of, I don't like this saying or the, the word, but he's got a free hit against Oxford. He's not been with Oxford or flying. They're in the form team. I don't expect us to go there and win against Oxford. They're, they're miles ahead at the moment, I think, of anyone. I think they've won eight, eight nine, 10 in a row, something like that. It's something mad at the moment their form. But that's a free hit for him because if he goes there and we put on a performance... And he can get a tune out of the boys and, and maybe he'll, he'll try saying it, change the formation, put a couple of youth team players in. And then we've got Wigan and Rochdale and they're winnable games. Uh, however you look at it, they are winnable games. So I think he has got a little bit of an opportunity here, but I think we'll have a new manager in place by then. I think we'll have a new manager in place by next week, if I'm honest. Uh, I don't know who you boys are looking at or what you're thinking. I've looked at the betting. Uh, yeah, go and Jay.
0: I mean, I think uh, my personal. I think when we first started talking about um, Glim potentially going, um, Dan Cowley and the Cowley, or the Cowley brothers were the the standout choice of managers that are out of uh, managers that are out of work. Um, you know, he did a fantastic job at Lincoln, getting them into the league. Um, then got them promoted again into League One before getting his chance at Huddersfield. Don't think it worked out as planned for him there. He's been out of work for a while. Um, whether we can afford him, whether he would drop down to to a League One renegration scrap, I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, I'd, I'd like to think we're at least, you know, talk to him, you know.
1: Yeah, I'm, I've been very vocal with uh, the Cowley brothers and getting him in. Uh, he lives in Lincoln, I know that, but he also has a house down in Essex. He's not far from where I live, I believe, in Canby or that way, or Rayleigh, I think. Uh, I'd love us to get him. He was on 140 grand a year at Lincoln and then he got mad money when he went to Huddersfield, him and his brother, won one and a half million pound, which obviously we're never going to be able to touch that. But he got sacked within a three-year contract so he would have had a nice little payout there. As a manager, you can't sit around too long being out of work because you do get forgotten about. There's always Sam Allardyce's, there's Boy. again alan pardew was just now coming to the betting today after a story in the athletic he's now two to one favorite to be taking the job because he said if, if he'd be up for it so I, I don't know about a pardew myself but yeah I'm, I'm well in the cowley camp because i think they would come in and and they'll change it top to bottom it needs to be something needs to be done over a long term I would, i'd like a long-term manager to come in now not one we're going to get rid of in a, a year or two or five-year plan, but then the other flip side to the Cowley brothers is if they do well, will they then want to leave to go then back into the top championship or premiership team?
3: It's interesting with the betting and, you know, it's at the moment it is rumour mill central, isn't it? Everyone's throwing names left, right and centre. I mean, I remember on a previous podcast, I did say if Glenn and, and Nick were to go, you know, I would like us to give Mike Robinson the job to the end of the season and I stick by that. Um with regards to if we do go external and recruit recruit someone externally, if that's the route we're going to go down, I do wonder how quick we're going to get that through the door. I mean, you said you reckon somebody might be here for Wigan and Rochdale. I remember when Ardy left, that Wally Downs appointment seemed to drag on and on and on. And it, makes me, it makes me wonder how our board learned from that. Is it, is it better to give Mark Robinson the job to the end of the season? And then, you know, when a manager does, you know, then gives us some some room to to approach approach certain managers. You know, there'll be other managers out of contract, for example, or Gary Johnson, who's doing a terrific job uh, down at Yeovil and Torquay. He's managed recently. And also it gives them a transfer window, you know, to come in and actually bring their own players in. Right now I feel sorry for whoever comes in because, you know, you've got seven centre-halves, no wingers. You know, it's, it's a bit of a mess, isn't it? Yeah, you're right with
1: Rumour Central. There's rumours coming around that we're going a different way about it this time, though. We're not asking for applicants. We're we're actually approaching people or we've approached someone uh, and there won't be interviews this time. I I hope that the board have got people in mind and they're going after their top target first, but still asking for applicants because you never know a Pardew then might apply. And then we go, well, actually, this is a top manager that we need to get in. Uh, As again, looking at the betting, you've got Pardew here at two to one. Then it's Emma Hayes' second favourite. We're going to come on to her in a minute. Cowley and Robinson are the five to ones. Luke Garrard, Ian Holloway, Neil Harris, Nick Dawes is on there for some mad reason, even though he's just been sacked by us. But he's someone's had a mad bet on him. Uh, and then you've got Jason Yule, Neil Cox. I'd, I'd rather I'd rather Boise do it than Neil Cox. <laughs> it, I, I got chucked out the bar for abusing him. Uh, Stephen Reid, I, I like that name. I really do. I think he's done really well. He's at Forest and apparently not really enjoying himself. But, uh, and then Jody Morris is the last one at the top of that betting, betting list. So, I, again, me, I'm, I'm all for Cowley, but I would take Holloway. I would take a Harris. And I've got to say, it's a much better list this time than it was previously. Uh, previously, when when Wally came in. everyone I think Wally was uh, was the main one that everyone wanted. We offered it to Nolan. He, thank God, turned it down uh, and we end up with a great escape. So it's a better list this time than it it was last time. I think if you're looking
0: at um, the likes of the Cowley brothers or um, Harris, uh, someone someone like that, you've got to be selling a long-term plan for them. They're not going to come down here for, you know, keep us up. If you don't keep us up, then you know, you're done. I think, you know, you, you look at someone like the Cowley Brothers and you say, come in. If you keep us up, great. If you don't keep us up, rebuild us to have a proper crack at League Two next season, you know?
4: Yeah, I, th- I think just going back a little bit, talking there about the, uh, the bookies odds, that there's been so much of that flying around the last few days in various WhatsApp groups and on Twitter, and it just does my head in so much. Because especially with someone like a, a club like us, bookies know about as much as us four sat together, probably slightly less. So <laughs> all they all they can do is just go off of where idiots like us put our money. So I'm, I'm, I feel like you said Jody Morris was one of the longer odds. You put if we had by now put a tenner each on him at what what is he about fourteen to one? From there? Yeah,
1: sixteen to one.
4: By the time we finish recording this, he's gonna be there at four to one and some idiot's gonna tweet that we're gonna get we're gonna get him in.
1: Great point, Spike. Great point. Well done, mate. I like that point. That's a brilliant point. Now it's true what you're saying. The betting odds at this level is just mad. Like, I've had a, a cheeky little bit on uh, Danny Carley at twenty to one and then boom next day he's gone into three to one. Uh and it as, as Boise said, it's rumour central. I think the big one on there, and everyone's talking about it, is Emma Hayes. Uh, I don't know much about it. Someone put a brilliant post on Facebook. I can't remember who it was. I wish I did because it was brilliant. They're Chelsea season ticket holders at the Chelsea women's game. Uh, and they said that they can't see her coming anyway because the amount of money she gets paid by Chelsea. The facilities they have at Chelsea are second to none. Uh, they, they're, they're better than our, our facilities, the women's team there. Uh, I w- I'd be for it, to be fair. I'm not against it uh, because I, I believe she don't take any shit, which is what we want. Uh but again, I don't think she'll take it because she can go and pick any woman footballer that she wants, the best women's footballer in the world. Uh it's a different level at women's football, so the best players are the best. You drop down and it ain't that good a standard. Uh and I also think that uh the only reason I would say I wouldn't want her coming in is the experience. Women's football to men's football is a totally different game. And she doesn't have any experience at men's football. And we're we're looking for a manager who has experience who's been in a dogfight, who, who, who's going to be able to pick a team on a, a, a low budget, who's going to be able to get players in on loan from Liverpool, Newcastle. Do you know what I mean? Just teams that are further afield than on our doorstep kind of thing.
3: I mean, we, one thing with Emma Harris is could she not bring in players from Chelsea? You must have contacts there for a start. We always moan we don't get Chelsea loanees on our doorstep. Could that open that revenue, do you think, Lee?
1: I don't know because you don't know if how they mix with the women's and the men's football down there. Is it do they speak to each other? I don't know. To be fair, I don't know that much about the women's game and the men's game. But I I just I don't. The problem with Chelsea is they've got about 500 youth team players. So you've got like five at Acrington, five at Rochdale, five here, five there. They've got so many out and about. I like the link we have with Brentford at the moment with guys in loan players, but. Yeah, just for me I think she'd, she'd be good But I, would she be able to Take the pressure Of being under that microscope As well Of being the first ever Woman's manager In football In men's football Sorry Would she be able to take that Because it's going to be A lot of pressure there's going to, she, How much stick Is she going to get as well like, There's going to be plenty of it There's going to be Loads of sexist jokes All over Twitter All over Facebook All over uh, the crowds Can she take that That pressure as well That that would come with Taking a, taking a job Sorry
4: yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I, in theory, have no issue with us getting a, a woman in as a manager. And I think, frankly, any sort of right-minded fan, as long as they're the right person for the job, would obviously agree with it. But I just think not having had any involvement at all in men's football is is a big thing, and one sort of slightly tangent, tangential uh, parallel is in the NBA, there's a um, San Antonio Spurs, we've got a a coach called Becky Hammond, who was a women's NBA player. And she joined them in about seven years ago as a coach. So like, again, had just been a player, went straight to being a, a, a men's basketball coach, worked up in that one team. So got to know the players and everything. And then it seems like she's got every chance of coming in as the next coach there. So that's something which, I'd like to think maybe we could do um but again that comes back to the culture and job security which will we ever have i doubt it but it'd be nice
3: see for me personally yeah. i'm going to stick my neck on the line and say i don't want emma harris to come and the reason emma, for emma, emma, hayes. I, emma hayes sorry sorry i'm getting mixed up on neil Harris. my bad <laughs> emma hayes um and the reason for that is because i think it's a, such a culture change going from having all the best players in the women's league to then come into a relegation, relegation dogfight in League One. I just think it's such a culture change. Like I said, I'm happy with Mark Robinson being here. He knows Wimbledon, he knows the structure, you know, he knows Bezo, the players all respect him. I think personally going for Emma Hayes is just too much of a risk. It's too much of an unknown. I would rather us go recruit, look at that list and think, right, who's the best candidate? Who's got the best CV? Go for the Cowleys. If they say no, go for Neil Harris. If he says no, who's next? and work our way down that way. Um, that's how I would like us to approach it personally. I, and also, I'd just like to say, I'd like no ex-crazy gang, you know, Wimbledon ties. You know, I see see people saying Marcus Gale, I don't want Jason Yule. I mean, I don't know what Jason Yule offers us, for example, which Mark Robinson don't. If we'll both be managing academy sides, Mark Robinson's done a good job. So why not give it to him over, say, a Jason Yule, for example, I, I would like... Us to go out and get somebody with football league experience, and I think for me that's why Emma Hayes is too much of a risk. Um, so that's where that's that's where I stand on that personally.
1: You two made great points there. Uh, boys, I'll go on yours first. Uh, some people said it's an experiment, uh, and, and I wouldn't like an experiment when we are in a dogfight at the bottom. Do you know what I mean? If we're mid table and, and Glyn had to quit or he had to go then maybe that's something we could then take on. But I like what Spike said regarding the NBA, that maybe Emma Hayes needs to go and get a job in a reserve team or men's reserve team or youth team and work your way through a team into your first team management. I don't think you can make a step over from a, a woman's team into a men's team straight away. And, and not being rude to Emma, if you look at the, the, the people that are on that list, Danny Cowley, Ian Holloway, Luke Garrard, Neil Harris—they've all cut their teeth at different levels of the men's game, and all would be my preferred choice over Emma Hayes straight away. Unfortunately, but it's it's, it's a great talking point, and people are talking about it. At left, right, and centre—even Judy Murray was tweeting about it. it could be a breakthrough for, for women's sport and stuff like that. I just I just can't see it being us, unfortunately. And I, I'm I, I want the Cowleys. I, I think we need to go out. I think we need to go get Danny Cowley and his brother. Offer them a good wage. I don't know how much Glynn was on. Do, do we know how much Glynn was on? Do we have a
3: guess? Well, I would say 50, 60K. That's a guess. I don't
1: know. See, I was thinking a little bit higher. I was thinking about 80K for Glynn. That's how much I would say a manager of his. So if we're looking at 140K. That's possibly a Woodyard and a Paul Callenbuy's yearly wage. Then get rid of them too. Give, no, get, get, get in a Danny Curley. We could offer him 200, right? he might not take it This is the thing, well, I'm saying go get him We might offer him 200k and he goes Nah, you're having a laugh mate, I've got a million and a half my last job But I think we need to do What we can to go get Danny Cowley and his brother
3: no, I, I agree with you, Lee. Like I said, and my point is, you know, I think we should go approach the best, the people with the best CV. If they turn, if they turn their nose up and say no, you know, they're looking for a championship club or somewhere further up League One or more money, whatever. Cool, on to the next. Um, I could see us going for Emma Hayes. Even though I'm against it, I could see it because we're a fan-run club. You know, it's it seems like us to be the first club to go showcase and go do it. And I feel like if we if we were to do it, I'd rather us be in the National League mid-table type position for a League One relegation dogfight. And the thing is, we wouldn't be the first club to actually go get a women's manager in men's football. Like, it has happened in Norway where Renee Gleindheim has managed a uh, men's football club over there and they did lose the first nine games and then she took over and they won 3-2 and then she started the season by winning her first six games. So, it goes to show it can work. Um, you know, Invo, Invo, I am against it. I, I don't want it for us. Um, it does go to show you that, you know, there was an example out there where it has been tried and tested and, and has worked.
4: It feels like one of those things that you, you don't want to do because it's seen as an experiment. You just want to do it because, oh, well, hang on, look, we've got this great opportunity to get this really well qualified manager. And she's obviously very highly qualified, but she's got no experience in the men's game. She's much she's used to coaching with a much higher quality of players as you said, better facilities, all that kind of stuff. I think it would be a real culture shock to her, not even the fact that it's the men's game. Just if she were to go and manage our women's team, she'd probably struggle because they're not anywhere near as good as the one she's used to.
0: I think we're also assuming that she'd be bang up for the job. <laughs> Like, do you know what I mean? That she'll go, oh, AFC Wimbledon want me. Let me leave my cushy job at Chelsea where I'm on a amazing unbeaten run or something with some of the best women's players in the world. Let me go and take over AFC Wimbledon for probably less money that um, she's on at Chelsea. I, I, you know, I, don't think, I don't think we'd be that much of a cap to
1: her. I think that's the main point. I think people are talking her up because she's the best manager in that level at the moment or has been that – the best manager in that level for many years. And I think people are talking her up to get her into the men's game. They've seen that we're the only team that have, have got, lost their manager and she's being talked into that job by other people and not even by herself.
3: I see. I could I could see her being interested in the position because, you know, it's it's because of the media around it and, everyone, you know, most people will think it's the first time a woman's been, you know, gone into men's football and obviously the the Premier League or English football has got a much more better reputation than, than the Norwegian League. That's why we don't know about that one, for example, I brought up. So I could see the appeal just because she'll feel like, you know, or a lot of people, the way the media will portray it as, you know, it's, it's history in the making. This is the first ever... You know, woman in the English game, which it would be in the English game, of course it would be, you know, in professional football, so maybe that is the appeal to her, who knows I can I can only see one other club doing it and that would be Forest Green Rovers do you know what I
1: mean, they yeah. love to be different vegan, woman manager do you know what I mean, recycled stadium I can, they're the only team I can see doing it, I can't, us and and them really, but So if I was going to say now, boys, but boys, he said Mark Robinson to the end of the season. Who are you then having after that? Spike, who are you having? And Jamie, who are you having? Who's your picks now? If you could pick out of that list I just gave you, who are you having as manager full time? And what's the long term plan for that manager coming in?
3: See, for me, like I said, I'd go Mark Robinson, end of the season. It'll be an audition for the job. If he does well, keeps us up. Then obviously he can build. He knows the academy. He knows the story. He knows Wimbledon inside out. So you know that's the perfect opportunity to then have a progression path to maybe bring more academy players through. Um, also, then you know we can then assess the situation in the summer. What we you know any manager who comes in now we don't know. It's not guaranteed success. That we'll stay in League One. So you know they're going to come in. None of these players are their own players. Um, we transfer window shut. You know I think to myself, give Mark Robinson your job to the to the summer. See how he does. Uh, assess the situation, and then. You know, it, it, there'll be more. There'll be more managers out out of job. Like I said, one one name I mentioned was Gary Johnson, and you know he'll be out of, out of work. You know, Jason Yule might be out of work or out of contract, so therefore you don't have to pay him a fee to go get him. Mean, I... apart, apart from Cowley and Harris, I don't see many names on on that list who are free agents. So I'm like, yeah, I really want to go get it. I'm not. I'm not excited by Padro. I'll be honest.
1: My, my only worry about what you said is an audition is that we gave Glenn an audition. And then we gave him the manager's job after that audition and it hasn't worked out. Uh, also, you're saying like Gary Johnson, Gary Johnson settled down in the South coast, doing really well with Torquay. I don't, he, he's been at big clubs before. I can't, not saying we're a big club, but he's moved to big clubs, not really worked out. He, he, he's probably sitting on retirement down in Torquay loving life at the moment. Uh, so I can't see that one as well. Spike, who, who do you want? Who do you want to come in and who, who's your manager? You're picking out of that list.
4: So, when I was thinking about what or who we're going to get in next, I think there's two main factors, which is, are they the right fit? And is it financially viable? If we're looking at the right fit. So we're taking anything else out of the, the equation. I'd love the Cowley brothers. I, I agree with you. I think it's just that, that would be a good fit for us. They would be a success. I'm sure. Um, Neil Harris would be good. I think he, he'd be able to get the team going and Uh, I quite like the idea of Luke Garrard as well, just because he he does know the club, Um, but I think whoever we get in, we have to accept that the I don't want to say it's inevitable because it's not inevitable, it's far from inevitable, but we have to get them in on the understanding that there's a very real chance we get relegated, and I think knowing the way our board operate we will do that anyway, but we need to get them in and not even base it so much on what happens. If we go down they get the backing either way. We give them money if we have money and we try and build a new culture. We try and build a new squad and come up and sustain League One in time.
1: I just want to, yeah, I do what I did with Boyce here. I come back with a couple of points on yours. The only problem I've got with Luke Garrett is he's just signed a three-year contract at Bournemouth. So if we're going to get him, we're going to have to pay. I think we're going to have to pay a fee for him, which is not ideal if we haven't got that much money to do that. I, I like your... I, I think whoever comes in has to then build and also think that whoever comes in, we have to say to him, okay, if you get relegated, that's that's not going to be a problem. Because, unless we get beat 10-0 every, every week and we're playing absolutely pooling. But if we do get relegated, you have to get us up next year. We have to get promoted. Uh, but yeah, I think we have to... Yeah, that's something we have to do. So, Jamie, who are you having?
0: Well, I think I mentioned before, you know, the Cowley brothers were my instant... Um favorite to take the job i don't disagree with you, Boise. I think that that that's not a bad shout. I think that if if we can 't get someone like Cowley or Harris, I think we need to be going for them, and if we get them, take them if If we can't get them then I think that Mark Robinson is probably one of the better choices of the people on the list um Goward, I love Luke Goward as a player. He's done well as, at Boreham Wood. Um, you know, that there's, there's, there's a lot of choice this time. That like, like Finchie said earlier, the list is a lot better than it was when when Wally Downs came in. Um, you know, I've made a note of a few names here. Um, with, you know, the likes of Harris, Cowley, Holloway. I wouldn't personally want Holloway, but big name. Obviously, Pardew's come in. Uh, Sam Ricketts. Uh, Joey Barton's out of work. There's some big names in there. I'm not saying I'd want any of those, but it's nice to be linked with, you know, not being linked with Kevin Nolan and Russell Slade like we were last
1: time. <laughs> I was just about to say, yeah, I was just about to say Russell Slade as well. If this list was, say, all these people were interested and we could get any one of them. If they were on the same list as Wally Downs, I don't think Wally would have got the job. Well, I don't know. Some people would have pushed for Wally to get the job. And that's what I, I, I would have preferred a lot of these on this list now to Wally Downs, even though I love Wally and I think he's done a great job for us, but this list is a hundred times bigger, better and stronger than we had previously.
3: I personally think we ended up with Wally Downs though, because it comes down to budget. I think we're going to talk to these people. I think we're going to approach Neil Harris, you know, the Cowley brothers and I think they're going to hear what we're offering and go, and now I'm aware, thanks. I'll, I'll wait for a better offer of coming through from someone else. And that's my fear. And I think that's why we'll end up with Mark Robinson. I think, you know, he's—I he, I don't like to say he's the cheap option, but you know, I don't think we can go get a manager like Luke Garrett because he signed a three-year deal with a fee involved. I don't want an ex-crazy gang manager. I can't see Neil Harris coming. I can't see the Cowley brothers coming. And I think ultimately that's why we'll end up with Mark Robinson. Like I said, you know, if if money wasn't object, then we could just go get the Cowley brothers tomorrow. Yeah, cool. Give him a give him a three year deal for me. But I don't think that will happen. And I, I don't. I'm not. Like I said, I'm not excited by Padro. I think he's only interested because they like say the manager's shelf life starts expiring once they've been out the game a little bit. And I think he wants to get his you know get his foot back in there. Uh, Joey Barton, I think that's a non runner because of who he is. You know, it's, I mean, before before um, Paul Didsey went to. Franchise, I would have, I would have liked him. He's worked under a fan, fan-owned club at Exeter and stayed there for six years. But that's now. Well, he's at Bristol now. But even if he was a free agent, that'd be a non-runner. So, you know, it's in, it's interesting what the, it's interesting what's going to happen over the coming days, weeks. What
0: about what about Ricketts?
1: Is he in work at the minute, Sam Ricketts? No, he's Rex not, he's, three He's out of work. Uh, I wouldn't have Sam Ricketts. I, I one of the points I was just about making the reason why. I, not I wouldn't have Sam Rickards Why maybe Sam Rickards won't come Is the same as what Ben Hennigan said when he moved down Is unfortunately we live in one of the most Well our ground and Wimbledon is one of the most Expensive places to live or rent Or buy in the country uh, You move out a little bit It still don't get much cheaper Do you know what I mean? You're going to have to live in Kent or Essex The Cowley brothers and Neil Harris both live in Essex Neil Harris lives in South End. I've seen him at my local McDonald's And his boys played against my Boys well Football I gave him a little bit of stick on the touchline. I
0: Lucky, seem to think that like Lucky everyone, everyone lives just down the road from Finchley. Every <laughs> episode there's someone, oh yeah, I know so-and-so. Now, is does live
1: himself, but I, we got to remember that these people that live up North or live, they're not going to go, yes, I'm going to come down on 140. Say we often say 150 grand a year. That's good money, but then they've got to have the house prices or the rent prices and something like that as well, which eats into their budget. The other thing I was going to say uh, is, uh, Totally forgot I was going to say now. Boise, go ahead. Sorry, man. I, I'll I, just,
3: I just wanted to say I'm surprised I haven't seen you in the Only Way as Essex. The amount of times you bang on about Essex. I mean, I'm beginning to think of Joey Essex are saying there. You know everyone down there.
1: I'm top Essex boy. They asked me to be on the Only Way as Essex when they first come out, but I was unfortunately busy. <laughs> Couldn't be on it. But they, they, it'd be a better show now if I was on it. But yeah.
0: So we've spoken about who we'd want to come in. Boise, you've kind of said who you think will come in. Uh, Finchy Spike, who do you think will end up getting the job at this very early stage?
1: That's the point I forgot. Sorry, this is the point I forgot. We've got someone who's invested quite a bit of money in our club, right? So is it not worth tapping up Mr. Robertson, who ASOS has made their most, I think, biggest profits to date in 2020 during a the pandemic. They've just gone and bought Topshop, Topman and Miss Selfridge. Right, so why not let's tap him up Call it the Miss Selfridge Stadium and go get the Cowley brothers. Or, or like or as I said, it's I, I reckon we were probably paying about eighty grand for uh, what's his name for Hodges. That if if a list that went out the other day is correct, Oxana, sorry, is on about 130 grand a year. Uh, yeah, well, what's his name's on about one
3: Brentford, Brentford's gotta be subsidized and sub i of that, though.
1: Yeah, but I think that list I saw, and there's a list going around, I don't know, I think it's fake, I don't believe it's true because there's a lot of them going around for players, but they don't seem too far off the mark for what wages are, and they're saying about three and a half grand a week. That he, We said them was £700 a week, that's why I don't think it's real. Uh, but I, I believe some of our players are on two and a half grand, three grand a week, uh, the woodyards and things like that. Get rid of one of them, you've got 130 grand saved, and you go get yourself a proper manager who's going to make this club better.
3: Yeah, but then we've we've been on this podcast in previous weeks moaning about, you know, once we get injuries, uh, you know, that we've got no options on the bench and our squad's friend Fredbear. Fred and you're saying get rid of Paul Canabay, get rid of Wood Woodyard. Do I mean and then we're bringing the Cowley brothers and they're working with uh <laughs> with, <laughs> yeah, that, with with eleven
1: players, you know, why no we got to, we got to tap up Mr. Invest, but we're <laughs> gonna have that conversation next week on regards to say, investment or club owned. But I just think the Cowley brothers coming in, they're going to work with a squad that we've got. I, I believe we should be going with 11 first-team players, right? 11, probably a little bit more than that. But if you went out and bought 11 fit first-team players and then we have to subsidise them with our youth, that's what Accrington do. Accrington have a very small squad. They have a small 11. They have a really good 11 first-team players. Then they, then they have five good loan players and then they have some good youth team players to come into that.
3: Yeah, but no, knowing now luckily like our first 11 will all get injured. Do you know, what I mean? you know? It's
1: a sod's But that, that is sod's But that's the chance you've got to take. We, we have to then start maybe paying more for our first team. Sorry, Jay, I, I'm running away here. But uh,
0: yeah, I mean, I just wanted to make a point about you saying that we should break the bank, spend loads of money on someone like the Cowley brothers, which I which I don't not not break the bank, but you know, if we get an investment, spend loads of money on getting the Cowley brothers in. Um,
1: Tap up. No. Tap up, Mr. Asos.
0: Yeah, so we, we say we put him on a wage of what you said there, 150, 200 grand a year, and then he doesn't keep us up. We've then got a manager on 200 grand a year in League 2, which I think is obscene. For, for a club that has got, you know, millions of pounds in debt, bonds and stuff to pay back, to be recruit As much as I would love the Cowley brothers to come in, you know, Do- spending that much money on them, with, with with a strong possibility that we're going down is, is
3: madness. It's too much of a risk to put them on that kind of wage. You know, any more than the money Rich Glynn's on, 80 grand a year, or for example, 60 grand a year, any more than that, I think, you know, we're not running our club properly. We can go approach Nick Robertson, but we already know last time, you know, he wanted to invest money. He wanted shares in the, in the the in the club, so... You go asking for an extra X amount, 100,000 pounds to go get the caddie well, He's going to go, okay. Well, I want a, you know, another two, two percent, five percent in the club, and we already we know that the people on the on the Dollars Trust board aren't going you know, to allow that to happen. So, I mean, I think you, Steve, uh, I think you're in fantasy land.
1: Yeah, but I am. I am in fantasy land. That's what football's all about. But the problem is, you ain't going to have someone investing the amount of money that he's invested already just for us to go down the leagues. I mean, he's going to want to see something for investment, and maybe think, "Well, actually, I've got the money sitting here, so why not put in a little bit more, just maybe to sponsor the stadium or something like that?" I'm just, again, I am living in fantasy land. I just don't think we're going to get. If I'm looking at that top list, we're not getting one of them managers on the money that we're talking. We're we're going to have to go for a the list that we had previously.
4: Yeah, that's what worries me because I think if you if you start talking about it in terms of purely financially viable, you're looking at the the likes of, yeah, Russell Slade and Kevin Nolan were the two that I mentioned earlier, but Lee Clark basically had the job, didn't he, last time? When, well, not last time, but when Wally got appointed, it was pretty much Lee Clark's. No, oh, Kevin I, Nolan. Yes, sorry. What, that has a different, yeah, okay. Let, <laughs> I've got confused with my notes here, it's a different <laughs> point. We'll cut this bit out. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving it here, mate. Yeah.
3: yeah. We're going to mug you off. We're going to
1: leave it. <laughs> as I said, my point still stands regarding that list, that top list. I can't see any one of them coming on less than 140 grand a year. And what, what was the list exactly, Lee? So, Alan Pardew, do you think he's going to come for 80 grand a year? Yes. Emma Hayes?
0: Uh, I don't think she'll come regardless. Cowley, probably not.
1: Mark Robinson, yes. Okay. Yeah. Luke Goward would have to pay yes. a fee, which is well, we have to pay a fee for him, which is going to be more than hundred grand.
3: Luke Goward Luke Goward fell out of the club, didn't he, as well? There is yeah, that fact. Yeah, so. uh,
1: yeah, he, he fell out with Simon Bassi. he didn't fall out with the club. No, Simon I mean. Bassey's now con. And also I like that I like that edge of him that he don't give a shit. He was looking at the best interest of his club at that time. He didn't care that he was part of Wimbledon's crazy game back in the day or he was part of Wimbledon. Talking. Fucking, of-
3: Talking of Simon Bassey, well, you know, what about getting him back in some sort of capacity? I mean, he's got links to Stephen Reid, who's the assistant manager at Scotland at the moment. They've done a good job. In the, I know they, you can know, only judge him on two games, but, you know, Mark Robinson's very highly rated by the Wimbledon Wimbledon players. But so was Stephen Reid, as my understanding. They really liked him. It, you know, no one's mentioning that name. And yet, when you know, I see on the bookies list, they're mentioning Neil Cox and Nick, Nick Dawes, which is crazy. You know, Bassey's got to be in with a better, better shot for them too. We think or
4: I think no. Stephen Reid would be a great appointment to be honest. Um, like you mentioned, he, he did well when he was here before. He's doing well. I think he's at Forest and Scotland at the moment, isn't he? So whether that would appeal to him, I'm not sure. This is my main issue. I don't know how many of these people, like has been said, are just gonna go, No, I'd much rather do anything else than come and take a <laughs> sub par salary at a pretty unappealing club at the moment. But Stephen Reid would be a good
1: one for me. See, I like Stephen Reid. Again, he done really well when he came in for, what, four weeks? But we're looking from, we're, we're talking about managers with experience. We want someone to come in with experience. Stephen Reid's never managed a team in his life. He's done well coaching. Again, so did Glenn Hodges. But, again, I, I, just, I don't think we're going to get the manager that we're, we want or we're, we're talking about if we're not going to be offering 140, 150 grand a year. We are going to have to go with a Russell Slade. We are gonna to have to well, go over Kevin Nolan.
3: That's why I think for me, Mark Robinson's the safe bet and the best option to go for. I'd rather Mark Robinson over a Russell State Kevin Nolan type. You know, and I, I, you know, if money wasn't an issue, like I said, you know, I've said it time and time again, I'd go get the cowloys. But I personally think looking at the money, looking at that list, I think Pardew only wants to come here because, you know, he's been out in Bulgaria is my understanding, doing something out there. I just think he wants to get his name back into English football. his local, you know, you know. So my, yep. my only worry with Mark Robinson is what about if he doesn't
1: do it now? Say he doesn't change and the, the, the performances are still poor and it's still rubbish.
3: That's, that's why I'd say I'd give him an audition to the end of the season... And give him give him that. And then if it doesn't work out, go get a manager, but keep Mark Robinson in the club as as you know, back put him back as a first team coach or whatever. Because I don't want to lose Mark Robinson. I think he's a top guy. I think he's Wimbledon through and through, you know, it's highly rated. Um, so I think that that's the safe bet to go, go that way. Say so, you know, you've got you've got it to the summer, we'll we'll reassess it in the summer, but you know, if it doesn't and we could then go get a manager externally you know, then he can take his, his role back up as loan manager or, you know, wh- whatever he has doing previously.
4: So what happens if we give it to Robinson until the end of the season? We lose every game and play terribly. The, the team just don't seem to get behind him. Surely his position then is basically untenable at the club. Like how could you keep him here if he's hmm. done such a well, bad job?
3: On the flip side, what if you get the Cowley brothers in on 100 grand? They do terrible. They, you know, Huddersfield sucked them after three months. We've got one a two year deal, like Jamie said. You know, it, it, any which way you look at this, it's a risk. That's why I don't. That's why I wouldn't want Emma from Chelsea because I think she's too much of a risk. I think you've got to go down the, the down the safe safe bet or the safe route route right now. You know, Mark Grumson knows the structure of the club, he knows the players. I think that's that's what you have to go with. I think you have to get, get have to give them a chance. It may work out. It may not.
1: From a fan's point of view, we we've got a next manager. We got we got to give them time because we we are very quick to jump on the manager's back and I think if Robbo did get it and he was it was terrible I can see, you know it was getting heated previously with Glyn in charge and the fans were getting on his back quite quickly I think that would happen with Robinson and I don't want to see that uh, Where well, I think Danny Cowley coming in he'd probably get a little bit more time because it ain't your team and stuff and where Robbo's been here for so long people would still see it as part of his team and stuff like that which would be unfair but women and fans are not the fairest of bunch are
3: they no, I agree with you, Lee. I think whoever comes in, even if it's Emma Hayes, I know that might divide some opinions. But I think, you know, as fans, we all have to get behind and and get behind a manager. I mean, you look at social media at the moment, it's it's been so toxic over the last few weeks. And that can't be good for the players, you know, them going on reading that, you know, getting abused. You know, it's all doom and gloom. You know, we, we need to be that top man. We need to get behind whatever manager comes in. Um, you know, because I do think sometimes we jump on things quite quick. How many times do I see we get a new signing through the door? You know, they, they miss kick the first, first kick of the ball, and all of a sudden, ah, it's rubbish. You know, it's stating them online. It's, it seems crazy, but, you know, as a fan owned club, we don't, you know, give that little bit of extra support sometimes, I feel.
0: I mean, you just mentioned new signing. I feel like we should probably talk about Corey Andrews, who signed from Kays, um, quickly before the podcast ends. Uh, I don't know much about him. Does anyone?
1: I, I, I didn't know a lot about him, but I, I believe if if Glynn was in charge and that signing would have been announced by Glynn on today, I think there would have been absolute uproar, because the fact that we need a striker to come in and everyone needs an experienced striker, we need a third choice striker to come in now and score goals. I like I like the look of this kid. I think he could be brilliant, and hopefully it will work out. It's worked out for other clubs. Look at Waters, at Crawley. Look at. Uh, Lowe, who was at Hampton and then now is at Swansea and people are talking about million pound bids and I, I really hope that's going to be the case but the problem is you look at it, we, we could have another Ross Roscoe on our hands uh, I just think if Glyn had announced that signing and still in a job today there would have been absolute uproar because everyone wanted experience and we've got a young kid from Ryman Premier League, uh, it's just a worry for me
3: I think it just shows where the budget is at the moment. I think that's all that we had left in the pot. We brought in three players. You know, Dobson looks quite a good signing, but we must be paying a fair chunk of his wages. You know, we've got the lad from Leicester and, you know, Sam Walker in as well. So I don't think there was much left in the pot. And, you know, to go get an experienced striker, that's going to cost a chunk of money. And I, I personally just don't think we had it. We, we moan for sometimes we've got these players on our doorstep. Why don't we, how did we miss out on that one? How did we miss on this one? You know, He's banged in nine goals in 11 appearances. He's playing down at K's up the road. He was at Crystal Palace, and you know I saw an article. Juan Basaco really highly rated him. You know was singing his praises. Again, I think we need to give this lad a chance. He's only he's only come in to sit in Adam Roscoe's position on the bench. You know he's fourth choice striker. So you know I always thought we were going to bring in a a Aziz type striker. You know I think this this guy fits the mould. He's got pace. You know he's a bit raw. Um... I would like an experienced striker. Don't get me wrong, but I think that shows where the budget is when we're going to Kingstonian, we're going Met Police to sign sign players at the moment, and I, it comes full circle as to why I don't think we'll get you know Danny Cowley, for example.
1: Yeah, I get your point there. We've got I, I I like the signing. Don't get me wrong, I like it. I think long term it's good. Uh, we keep saying we need to get players on our doorstep I just don't think it's good when you're in a relegation dogfight and we're signing a guy from Ryman Premier League and I get your point again about money but then why Joe Palmer then in an interview and on the TV saying we've got money to spend that's how it came across is that we've got money to spend there's money in the pot uh, and and we'll be signing a permanent striker and we go get a young kid which again at the end of the season if he came in or pre-season we'd have gone yeah brilliant but we're in a relegation dogfight and we need we need some players coming in. We need Palmer fit and, and players like that. So
3: problem with bringing in an experienced striker though is we've used up our loan quota. So we used up five out of five. So we're not going to get a loan signing in. And then if you want an experienced signing, you know it's got to be a free agent. And then you question and then, well, we've done that with we've done that before with Oli Palmer and Ben Hennigan. They came in, you know, didn't get a pre-season, injured. So I think this was our only option. If I'm honest with you, I don't. It's either we have a free free sign in, I don't think we're going to get a permanent and pay a transfer fee. And looking at it, I think, I think, yeah, I think we did. I mean, we did spend money this window, so I mean, it's hard to judge, isn't it, how much we got in a pot, especially in this pandemic when you know we must be losing money every week with no fans, no, you know, no sales of all the other stuff, you know, whatnot. So
0: I think you're spot on, Boise. I mean, I don't think we paid a transfer fee for this this kid from Kays. We we just agreed to a pre-season friendly, in which we will play our first team.
1: Which we won't be going to. <laughs> Fuck Kays. <laughs> we are um, another
0: one of your bullshit rivalries. Like, no,
1: it's no, no. They, they went on Twitter and said, "Oh, can't believe, Oh, we're going to get a friendly, and then it's, they they kicked us out of our ground. They blah blah blah. They they hate us, Kays, right? Don't give a shit. They're a little muggy club, right?" Don't go to that friendly. Don't give them a penny. Fuck
3: them. We, um... I don't know where we're we going from
0: there.
3: <laughs> Should we just call the podcast there? Does anyone know that? No, I think, um... Oh, I don't even know what I think anymore. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> They've got a million pound
1: out of us. They've got a million pound out of us. They're giving it all a big, big bullet. We're in League One, mate. You're... We're in Premier League. We take whoever we want from you, right? <laughs> Stop pretending we won't, yeah? You've got a million pound. Be happy. You're playing in a nice ground at the moment. You're trying to get your own ground. Stop, stop giving it all the big ends to us, please.
4: I I kind of struggle to believe that this was actually the striker signing we were anticipating getting in, because, like you've said, he's a project basically. He might he might hardly even play this year. Maybe maybe if it is Robinson, he he might be willing to give him more of a chance. But if it's anything like our previous fourth choice striker he's going to be sat on the bench for 87 minutes and maybe get three minutes here and there.
0: Uh, can we also talk about the the announcement on Twitter? Uh, I know we spoke about club comms <laughs> uh, a couple of weeks ago, but, you know, it was the most strangely worded uh, signing announcement I think I've ever seen. Him. It's like we're doing this kid a favour signing him. Like we're going to reignite his career or something. But like, What yeah, was that-, that
4: about? I saw I saw someone describe it as, like, a Make-A-Wish foundation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly.
3: It was an interesting word of the article, but, I mean, it did seem to just kind of just slip in there, isn't it, after Glynn got, you know, Glynn got released and then that tweet went up. But maybe we'll, maybe we'll try not to put any pressure on the kid, you know, to come into a League One relegation dogfight, if we hype them up, maybe there'll be a bit of pressure on his shoulders. I mean, he did get a pro contract at Crystal Palace, so there must be something about this kid which he hasn't wiped out, he slipped down to to non-league. You know, uh, I, again, I don't want to big him up, but, you know, same stories happen to many footballers. Lyle Taylor went and played at Concord Rangers, for, you know, for example. So maybe it's just to, you know, just not put any pressure or high expectation because we, we do need that experienced, you know, striker and he's not it. So let's see what he can do, you know. I agree. And
1: uh, a wordsmith like myself, I was quite disappointed in that tweet, really, because <laughs> I, I can barely put two sentences together as Jamie keeps telling me when I'm writing out the Twitter you need to, I, you, you need to get your there, there and there I, I, have, to, of I have to get my missus or Jamie to uh, proofread them before I send them out. <laughs> but uh, I, I just think I, the, the intentions were right. We, He's come from Palace. He has dropped down to Whiteleaf uh, and uh, Kays and we are giving him an opportunity now. This is what I think we're saying to him. I don't know his what his life story's like, you know, like with Andre Blackman, we all knew about Andre Blackman and where his life was going. And unfortunately it went that way. He's probably got, Andre Blackman's probably got the best agent in football. I don't get how he's, he's played for so many big clubs, but this kid's got a chance now to step up. Show no fear. And 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 as Boyce said earlier, this is what we've been screaming for, picking up young kids on our doorstep. There's another one who's the guy at Rochdale. He's going for to City, I think, for... 500 grand and he was from south london he was playing park football a couple years ago and rochdale picked him up Ar- arash on twitter was talking about him and we're missing these players and we need to be picking them up the only problem we do is we seem to be picking up all the all the shit ones and then, <laughs> you know what i mean we I mean, need to start joe, joe, P- joe piggott
0: was one that we picked up i think we got Piggott right. yeah but joe
1: piggott's had experience at football league he's played for south and he's got a winning goal at wembley for them to get them promoted he point. had football league experience he dropped down because he fell out of love with football Apparently his family are quite rich. and money weren't a big big deal to him at that time. I just, I hope it works out for this kid. I really do. But yeah, the uh, telling thing. Sorry, but one last thing, tell him thing for me is Mark Robinson in the first interview kind of distanced himself straight away. He said, uh, I've never seen him play, but yeah, yeah. We'll give him a chance kind of thing, which I thought was weirder than the actual, the words. Cause I thought the English was quite good to be fair. Yeah.
4: I don't understand why he said that. Just it's like, he's, trying to distance himself, so if it go, inevitably goes wrong, then he's... But, um, yeah, the main thing I wanted to say is, I, I'm never going to moan when we sign a player from non-league because there's so many examples. Yes, we've been pretty unsuccessful. You look at your your Mitch Pinnocks, for example, who flashed incredibly well, but his head just wasn't right. But I, th- I think Che Alexander looks pretty good so far. Chislet has come up what is it, almost 10 leagues in two seasons, something ridiculous like that, and he's taken to it. Admittedly, he's still young, but he looks like he could be a great little player for us, so I'm never going to moan. Even Ross Crowe, I understand he was a gamble that didn't pay off, but I'll never never moan about it.
1: I think your point spot on, Spike, we've got like Nesta, you've got Nesta, you've got, as you said, Alexander and Chiswick, but what Annoys me mate. They really want to play football. You can tell they really want to make it. Uh, but someone like Mitch Pinnock done my Sweden because he just had this attitude that he made it uh, and, and he was like bowling around. And yeah now having the song, you know what I mean? He's always on the pierce and stuff like this. and Yeah, he, he annoyed me. Uh, there is a thing, though, that Nesta Guinness-Walker did annoy me about the weekend. He'd he done that stupid Instagram post with him saying Derby Day and their fucking badge on it. Get a grip, mate. Someone get him, give him a slap and say, that's not on. Yeah, I like your Nesta, but don't do it again.
4: Wasn't, wasn't that from his agent? He just reposted it or something, but either way you've I don't got care to if it, it was that, his
1: right, mum who you. told him to post it. <laughs> don't be a dickhead. <laughs> what was that, mate?
3: I think, um, I think leading on to what you're saying, though, I mean, I think it's all good getting these these non-league players. I've said it before on the podcast, you know, your are Ches, you again, it's all good. dirt, this dad this from case, but the, the biggest thing I find is what I find frustrating is we don't we don't combine them with experienced pros. And, and I think that's where it comes down to budget. You know, the Peter Barr model, they kind of go get these players, but then they you know, they have an Ivan Tony leading the line, for example, or, you know, experienced pros. And we don't have any leaders or characters. It feels like, I mean, it's hard to judge when, you know, you're watching on an iPhone. And that's why, you know, you see, Paul kind of by doing his Instagram, you see Ness, you know, Guinness Walker doing his Instagram, and I think to myself, you know, is, is, is it because we're lacking? I've said it before. Is it because we're lacking some leaders and some, you know, some some experience in in that squad? This is why I think the new manager. This is when
1: we're talking about a new manager is going to be crucial because the new manager is going to have to come in and get the the atmosphere, the character right amongst the squad as well. Newhartly had it spot on, and then he just fucking blew it. He just went totally wrong distance, wrong. Uh, Uh, road, he went down the wrong road, he got rid of the Barry Fullers, he got rid of the experienced players and brought in young kids because he thought they were going to be like masters of football and it just went totally wrong for him Uh, but this is why the next manager is so crucial for us and our long-term plans and what they've got and this is why I think we need to go long-term and Mark Robinson for me wouldn't be that long-term but yeah, I think we need to get someone with a bit of character now who's going to sort the club out top to bottom so there ain't going to be no phones in the change room Paul Kay you're not going to be able to do them boring posts and if you find it boring fuck off
0: I think that's the perfect place to end it honestly <laughs> you, I mean you've wrapped it up perfectly just like to thank Spike for coming on have you enjoyed it mate?
4: yeah it's been good fun thanks for having me nice
1: one Spike Yeah, Cheers. good to have you on yeah uh, Boise stay in your lane mate remember
3: you can always ship you off to nine years you keep on <laughs> January transfer window shot shut now. I'm staying with you guys to the summer at
0: least. Nah. <laughs> yeah, we'll give, we'll give you to the end
3: of the season. Hey, you're all <laughs> our Mark Robinson, man <mate. laughs>
1: Thank you for listening to the Wombles Had a Dream podcast. If you would like to contact us, you can do so by Twitter, at Wombles Dream.
2: If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
1: Away days are great, but there's
0: nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery.